the people have spoken. You want to get more push out of your tush. Don't be embarrassed. I don't blame you. This episode is all about strength training. Welcome back to the Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast. My name is Dr. Matt Minard, pronounced my nerd, and I am honored to be your host. If you are new, welcome. Here's how this works. This is your show. You vote on the topic, and for every two weeks, every fortnight, I create all the content around that topic. If you are a regular, welcome back. I am blown away by how many people have been listening. I still have not been out of the country myself, but my voice has been in 43 different countries. If you want to make sure I'm not an alien and I'm somewhat of a normal human being, you can watch this episode on my YouTube. What's the topic? What was the voted topic? It's all about strength training. And so I started recording this and I realized, man, this is such a broad topic. How can I try to do this justice to give you something that will actually be valuable and helpful to you? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this up into three separate episodes. We just came out of Need for Speed, which was two parts. And I'm going to break this up into three separate episodes. Again, just to make sure you get more out of it. Who wants to rush? Nothing good comes from rushing things, right? This fits in nicely. This is episode 10, crazy to think about. But episode nine of the three things that you can, how you can train to get faster, the third one was strength training. This does go nicely transitions in. Three parts, what is today gonna be about? going to be about your hip. The hips. Here we go. Hip. The hips are so important. We're going to dedicate a whole episode to all about the hips. And what are we going to talk about about the hips? Two things. We need to make sure that we train the muscles how they are used in running. And we need to train the muscles more than they are used in running. How and more. That's so important. A strength training routine for a runner should look very different from a soccer player, from a football player, from a baseball player. We want to be specific in our approach. Let's lay a little bit of foundational knowledge first. Muscles are responsible for all things movement. Think about that. For your body to transport from one area to the other, we don't have transport yet. You can't just teleport yet, maybe someday. But until then, it's the muscles. The muscles are our contractile portion of our body. The muscles create movement. The purpose of strength training is to merely this, just enhance movement. When you move, can we move better and more? And I'll make more sense as we go along. As always, we learn by doing, not just listening. Right now, if you've got your phone in your hand, we're going to go over the three specific roles or functions of muscles. We all know the bicep, right? Look down, give it a good flex, your bicep. 
we're going to show how we use that muscle to lift, hold, and lower your phone. Right now, if your phone's on the table, go ahead and grab the phone, and then you lift the phone up as if you're bringing it to your ear. What did that? That was your bicep. That was your bicep muscle. And our muscles lift. And then what if, while we're just holding here, we haven't dropped yet. I hope you haven't. I'm not responsible for that. If you're just holding your phone right there, the bicep muscle is still activated. It's still engaged, but it's not actually moving. The second of the three functions of the muscle is muscles hold. They hold movement. And then finally, if you want to bring that phone back down to the ground, lowering, that's lowering the phone with your muscle. That bicep still was responsible that whole time. It didn't just turn on and off and different muscles took over. And I'm only saying this once just because it can get confusing with the, the physiological or the biomechanics terms. But in that same example, when I'm lifting the phone, that's concentric activation, the muscle shortening and contracting. Holding, that's called isometric. The muscle isn't lengthening and shortening, but we're still getting that contractile component to it. Still the neurological component. And then the lowering, that's eccentric. That's where the muscle is actively lengthening. In this example here, we lifted, the muscles lifted an object. And that's kind of when we think about strength training, we think that there has to be some object, whether it be a dumbbell, a weight, our body, just moving our body in space all over the place, that's muscle activation. Let's go through another example of that same exact principles of the muscles where we're lifting, we're holding, and we're lowering. But now, shift your mind. You are your phone. <laughs> you are now the phone. You're going to be lifting, holding, and lowering your body. Because guess what? When we run, that's what it's all about. Right now, if you're not standing up, go and stand up for me. Right now, if you push through the balls of your feet, push down through the ground and keep pushing. Your heels come up, your head goes higher. What just happened? Your calf muscles just lifted your body. That's the function one, lifting. And you're still holding. We're still chilling up here. The muscle is still active. That's that hold. And then as now I come back down to the ground, I'm lowering. That's that third function of the muscles. The muscles lift your body. They hold your body and they lower your body. That's the terminology that we're going to use when it comes to discussing about running and training in the muscles how they are used in running. We're going to go over first the basic anatomy of the hip. The anatomy, just the basics. Your hip joint, where, where it actually occurs is you've got your femur bone, that big long bone top of your thigh. That comes up and that inserts into your pelvis. And so we're going to separate this out into front muscles, back muscles, and side muscles all around your hip. The front muscles, that's your hip flexors. Your back muscles, they're responsible for hip extension. Your side muscles, those are we're calling your hip abductors. We're going to go through, and I want to introduce you. I love introducing you to your body. You've met so many parts of your body on this show. 
Tell your friends that. Tell your friends, listen to Learn to Run. You're going to learn and listen and meet your body. See what they say. First, what we're going to start with, we're going to start with learning the muscles on the outside, the outside of your hip. We call these the gluteus medius, the gluteus minimus, and that feisty little TFL muscle, the tensa fascia lata from episode seven. I like to refer to these muscles in their entirety as the queen of the glutes. We'll talk later. You know, I love the glute max. It sounds really bad, but the, the tush, the glute max, that's the king of the glutes, but it has a very different role. The queen, the queen of the glutes, they're responsible for stabilizing or holding your hip. Let's go through that because this is so important. When it comes to strength training, often we'll see people doing exercises that won't necessarily translate into helping you run because it's not even working the muscle how it is used during running or to the extent that it's actually used. Let's go ahead and stand up again if you aren't already. And we're going gonna, gonna to introduce you to your your right glute med, your, your queen of the glutes on the right side of your hip. First, I want you to shift your weight towards your left. I've got about 75% of my weight on my left side. You're going to make sure you're not in public right now because we're going to be touching some glutes. Make sure, make sure you're, nobody's around. I want you to place your hand, your right hand, on the outside of your right hip, right by where your pocket is. And then kind of slide back. You're not all the way into your back pocket. That's going to be later. You're kind of between the front and your back pocket. From here, you're shifting your weight still on that left side. And what you're going to do is you're just going to lift your right foot up off the ground. And you're going to tap the ground to the side of you. Back and forth. What you should feel is when muscles contract, they firm up. They will push your fingers out. Your fingertips right now are on those glutes. Primarily the glute med, the glute min is underneath that. And you feel how that contracts? But notice what we're doing right now. We're kind of sidestepping and we're kicking to the side. That's hip abduction. We don't do that with running. In sports where we're cutting, we're soccer. But when it comes to running, whether it's sprinting or long distance, we don't use the muscles in that particular way that I just showed you. We call that open chain. The foot is not on the ground. The muscles are doing their job. But with running, it's all about closed chain when the foot's on the ground. How, Matt, how do we actually use this muscle then when we run? We talk about the, the queen of the glutes. She is the stable one in the relationship. The, the king of the glutes, he's got a little bit more power. He's a little bit more feisty. But the queen of the glutes, she holds everything together. She's the glue of the family. If we don't have her, we've got nothing. I want you to feel this. Your hand hopefully should still be on your outside of your glute on the right. Now watch what's going to happen. We're going to shift your weight evenly now. It's on both right and the left. Kind of soften your knees just so you're not locking out your joints. And now what you're going to do is you're just going to pick your left foot up off of the ground. What happened? What did you notice? The fingertips, where that muscle is, the glute, the glute me, the queen, you should feel her contract then. That, that is it. That is how we use the glute me, the hip abductors while we run. Think about it. When we run, there's no period of time where both feet are on the ground at the same time. It's all about being on one leg. 
And so the, we need to think about how these muscles are used. They're not producing, creating, and lifting movement. They're just keeping things stable. When it comes to strengthening this particular muscle or engaging this particular muscle, what's one of the first things that you think of? What do most people say? Oh, every runner should do this. Yeah, you guessed it. I can't believe I heard you all the way from over here. Clamshells. So what people will do, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but they'll have you go on your side, even bend your knees up to a position where we're not typically in that amount of hip flexion when the foot is on the ground. And they'll either use their leg and they'll open up their, their thighs or they'll have a band around. But think about it. We talked about we want to train the muscles how they're used in running and we need to train them more. We need to train them more. If we're not even engaging them or activating them or stimulating them to the point that we use them during running, we're not going to get a whole lot of benefit from it. If you think about this, when we strengthen or engage your hip abductors, the queen themselves, we need to be vertical. We need to be standing. If I have someone that is maybe injured or we have to regress or take a step back, then, then maybe it is appropriate that we're working on engaging and activating the muscles in an environment that is less of a demand. But if we're talking about performance and improving, we don't really want to take a step back. Let's talk real quick. What are some ways then that we can engage, we can strengthen the hip abductors? Notice how when we really started to feel it was when we were on one leg. Just by me performing a single leg stand, I'm engaging it. But we know with running, it's gonna, we need more than that. So what are some ways that we could challenge that? Well, one, and I'd like to do this in front of the mirror, at least the first time, because your body, it will cheat. It's not that you're a cheater. If, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. The body will take the path of least resistance, not to be confused, confused with optimization of movement. But what we'll see a lot of times when we stand on one leg, it's actually, if you have weakness of these muscles, when you're standing on one leg, it's actually the opposite leg, the opposite hip, the foot that came off the ground that drops. You'll see that hip drop. One way that we can challenge us and amplify the activation of those muscles is by placing a weight in the opposite hand. If I'm on my right leg, I could just merely just hold a dumbbell. It could be five pounds. It could be 10 pounds. I could just hold a dumbbell in my left hand and stand on one leg. But we want to make sure in the mirror, you're not tilting. I like to talk about the symmetry rectangle. And we'll have some visuals that we'll post. But if I imagine a rectangle between my shoulders, shoulder to shoulder, down to the front of my hips, like if there's headlights coming out of the front of my shoulders, the front of my hips, I want to make sure that stays a rectangle. If I'm tilting or dropping a hip or dropping a shoulder and look like I'm dancing, I hate dancing that from the K-dance. But what we'll see is compensations. That's a way that your body will try to not use the muscle. Make sure that when you're doing these exercises, if you're on one leg at all times, you maintain that symmetry, that symmetry rectangle. Think about it, just you holding in that dumbbell and standing, that's one way to challenge it. How could we progress that? Well, what if we walk? What if we do a farmer's carry? What if we hold, and this is kind of nice too, it simulates carrying groceries in, but what happens is when you're walking, that is creating this asymmetrical force. It is pulling your left side down towards the ground lower because of gravity. The muscles on your right side 
have to work really hard to control, to hold that movement and not give in to gravity. Farmer's carriers are a fantastic way to challenge these muscles. What's another way? You've probably seen those bands, those little mini bands. They are, they're fantastic. But if we're not challenging the hip while we're standing and loaded, again, we're not doing ourselves a full service. So the same scenario, I'm just standing on one leg. I could put that band around my ankles and I could just be standing here. And what I showed earlier, where we were activating the right side open chain, where the foot was off the ground, just to show you what that felt like. Because guess what? We talk about a, a, a double, two birds with one stone. When I'm doing a tap to the left with that band around my ankles, guess what's working even harder? You guessed it. The queen on the other side. We can work both hips at the same time and really get it to not only how we use that muscle, but challenge it more than we use that muscle when it comes to running. But here's something to think about. It's all about biomechanics and levers. The further that that band is away from your hips, the more challenging it is. In that example I just talked about, putting it around your ankles, that could be too challenging. If you're going to compensate or be tilting or twisting, it could be too much. What could we do? We can move that band higher, closer to the axis of the hip. You could have it just below the knees. You're doing your thing. You're standing. You've got your symmetry rectangle. You're tapping to the side. And then what if that's still too challenging? Then you could bring it higher. So there's ways you can change it up. You could change the resistance level. Different bands have different amounts of resistance. These bands are cheap online. They don't require a whole lot. But again, just keeping in mind, we're not trying to just entertain the hips. They get enough entertaining while they're running. We're trying to challenge them how and more than they are used with running. Let's move on. Let's keep going. We just talked all about first the hip abductors, the glute me, the queen. Who do we need to talk about next? Yes, we got to talk about the glute max, the hip extensors, <laughs> the poor hamstrings. I, the tush gets all the credit, gets all the press, all the publicity. It's like the quarterback of a team. Like, yes, they are fantastic. They might be good looking, whatever, but there's other muscles, you know? There's so many other players. Your hamstrings also are extremely helpful at your hip at creating movement. Let's start over. Let's give that little tour again. So we're now we're standing, both legs. We're going to shift your weight towards your left side. Here's again, make sure nobody's looking. Place your right fingertips on your right butt cheek. Can we say that on the air? Yeah, glutes, butt cheek, gluteals. Not in, on the glutes. Okay, now what I'm going to do is you're going to have your weight shifted towards that left foot about 75% up tall. Don't lean forward. And now you're just going to open chain like we did last time. You're going to tap though now behind you. It's like there's a cone, there's a wall behind you. You're trying to tap the ground behind you. What do you feel? Your fingertips are launching out of your butt. <laughs> the butt, butt muscle. There we go. The butt muscle. Do you feel that? That is your glute. So when people say, I just can't feel my glutes, I have a hard time firing it. Tell me, listen to this. Try it. Do it. You feel it. Again, thanks for keeping me accountable. Matt, this is open chain. We're not in the water. We're not in the air. When we run, it's on the ground. We need to use these muscles on the ground. Closed chain. 
hopefully right now, maybe the first time you ever actually feel your glutes, you feel the tush engaging at your hip. Because we're going to talk about how we use the muscle with running. And then we can talk about how we can challenge it more. Now let's go to that same exact example. But now we're actually going to be lifting. We're going to talk about, we talked about the muscles have three roles. We just talked about the holding. But now if I want to move forward, what do I do? I'm in the same position. I'm mainly on my right leg. My left foot's down just slight for balance. I want you to put your mind in your right foot on the surface between the ground and the bottom of your foot. What I want you to do is I want you to push backwards. That same exact movement that we just did where we were tapping the ground behind us, we're going to lift your left foot off of the ground and we're going to do that same activation. And what happened? You moved forward. So that same exact movement, called that hip extension, same muscles, your glute max, your hamstrings, the king, the king of the glutes. When I talk about push with a tush, when I talk about propelling your body forward using those muscles, that's it. You just experienced it. Hopefully some of you had an aha moment. When we run, we're just doing this thousands of times. And think back again, another analogy, I've said it before, but hopefully it clicks. We're in the moment, just feel it out. If we're in that canoe and all we have is that paddle, it's like your leg, we move forward by putting the paddle in the water and pushing back, pushing back. Now think about this. If I pick that paddle up out of the water and I push back when it was in the air, what would happen? Nothing. I wouldn't really move anywhere. Think about that. This glute, this propelling, you're pushing back to move forward. Matt, how can we challenge this muscle more than in running? Remember, all of our exercises, all of our strength exercises, ideally, we want to be on one foot. We want to be on one leg because that's how running takes place. Here's where it gets a little bit tricky because we're vertical. Gravity is vertical. When we activate our glutes to really isolate and to really challenge them, it is helpful to be horizontal. We talked about tush-push drills or bridges. I'm going to talk about two different ways that you can challenge the glutes more and how. And we'll start with standing since we're already here. They've shown that actually doing a single leg step up. If you are to have a step in front of you, maybe 10, 12 inches, by you picking your right foot up and placing on the step, shifting your body weight forward, driving down through that step, feeling that glute engage, your quads are also working too. That is a fantastic exercise to lift your body and lower your body, same muscle. And all that time while you're doing that, guess what's getting challenged? Your glute med. If you're like me, where you're just trying to get one exercise to knock out as many things as possible, this same example, what's a way that we could incorporate the the glute mead, the queen herself? How could we amplify her involvement? You guessed it. I could put a dumbbell or a weight in the opposite hand. Now I'm stepping up and down and I'm holding a weight, but I've noticed I'm not letting the weight win. I still have that symmetry rectangle and I'm performing reps. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. You, you ask, how can we challenge more, more? If we think about it, if you run a mile, 
that's around 1,600 steps or around 800 steps per leg. That's a lot of glute activation, right? But how is this what we're doing now? How are we challenging it more? Well, it's higher up. We're going 10, 12 inches up on a step. We're handling more of your body weight. So this is a great way to actually challenge that muscle more. In addition, we may have added that weight to the other side. That's another way that we are challenging it more. Just We always have to think back. Is this how we use that muscle? And is it, are we challenging it more? But here's where I highly recommend incorporating bridges. But how can we make bridges just as challenging as they are when we use the muscle in standing? Because like we talked about, when you're upright, you're loaded. We need to be activating the muscles just like we do when we're running. We talked before in the last episode, but we're going to go through again. Ways to make a glute bridge more challenging is, is this. So you're on your back. Your knees are bent. You can place your hands on your front of your hips, and you can apply some downwards resistance to engage your core, and then you're pushing up against yourself. You're getting some core involvement, you're getting the glutes, and you're working on that raising and lowering slow and controlled. You can also put a dumbbell. You could put a, a gallon of water. You could put a case of water, something just on your hips. That way, we're taking gravity has this downward arrow, this downward force. We want to amplify gravity by adding more weight, more resistance to it, and force you to push against that. What else could we do? We talked about most exercises should ideally be single leg. We could very quickly and easily change that to kick one leg up in the air, and we're now just driving through the, the ground, using the glutes to lift the hips up, I talked before about my favorite cue for that is the, the pick up a penny or a peanut and crush that peanut with your glue cheeks. <laughs> that is a way to just get it. And again, make sure as you lift, when you lower, don't just let gravity win. I love gravity. I get all excited talking about it, but don't let gravity win. Control on the way down. Again, single leg, we're adding resistance. Yes, we are horizontal, and that's a way we can challenge the muscles how and more. So let's keep moving. We've done the, the queen and the king of the glutes. We've talked about mainly we need to be upright and vertical. Mainly we need to be on one leg. We need to work on controlling movement, nothing going, not going fast and trying to rush through. What's the last part? What's the last part of the hip muscles that we have not yet talked about? The front of the hip. The muscles on the front of your hip are called your hip flexors. This is super important. And again, this is just my opinion. This is through a lot of experience, through trial and error, through seeing patients over and over and over and seeing what works and what doesn't. This is my opinion. I do not recommend strengthening your hip flexors. Let me say that again. I do not recommend strengthening your hip flexors. Why is that? There's a couple reasons. One, it's not very strong. It doesn't offer us a whole lot of bang for your buck for forward movement. Think back to that analogy of in the canoe with the paddle. When the, the paddle's out of the water, that's that open chain, it's not on the ground, the equivalent of what your hip flexors would do for forward movement, it's in the front of your body, is you just taking that paddle and quickly, aggressively 
swinging it forward. We don't get a whole lot for that. And not only that, the anatomy of your hip, talked before about muscles, there's an origin and insertion, a starting point and ending point. When we contract, the muscle shortens, we get movement. Your hip flexor is a third-class lever. It's at such a mechanical disadvantage, meaning it has to work extremely hard to flex your hip. I like to think of it like this. If you imagine I have this long piece of wood, 10-foot piece of wood. When you pick up that wood, the equivalent of how your anatomy of your hip is structured, it's like you picking that board up by the very end, just the very end. If you feel down at your hip flexors, they insert right in the crease there. Yes, you have one of your quads that does help, but mainly it's there right in the front of your hip. You've got your psoas major, your iliacus combined to make your iliopsoas. That is so challenging to lift that piece of wood just by the very end. If we're adding insult to injure, adding load to something that when it comes to running, we never need do that against resistance. Like we talk about, we'll talk about in other episodes. When we go up hills, yes, we are going to be challenged by more than just our body weight. But when we use our hip flexors, it's not in that powerful. We don't get a whole lot of it. If a lot of times people have hip pain, a lot of times people come in and they have pain in the front of their hips. One, we figure out they're not pushing with a tush. They're just mainly their weights back and they're at, they're pulling their legs up like a puppet. And I tell them, rump it. That's going to be a shirt someday. Don't be a puppet. Rump it. Push with your tush. I digress. But they'll come with a pain in the front of their hips. And just by showing them, one, how to not use their hip flexors when they're running to propel them forward, pain goes away. Not only that, a lot of times they're doing some core work or they're doing some flutter kicks. They're doing other exercises that are just activating like crazy the front of their hips. And their hips hurt. What else? We sit so often throughout the day. And when we sit in this shortened position, when you're sitting down, your hips are close to 90. A little bonus, ideally you want to sit with your hips higher than your knees, your hips higher than your knees. That puts a lot less stress on your low back and on your hips. When we're sitting in that, adapt, that shortened position all day, it is common, a lot of times, we will see adaptive shortening or we will see tightening of the front of your hips. That's a common thing with back pain, pain in your hips from running. That is what I see as a recipe for disaster. And sometimes people will fight me about it. And sometimes they'll be like, oh my gosh, thank you for giving me permission to not do some exercise. I don't like doing them anyways. I know nobody likes doing strength training for runners. I know that. I understand that. I appreciate you. But we know how, you know how important it is. But just by not strengthening your hip flexors, we can get so much more improvement because what happens is we have pain, it snowballs, causes weakness, inhibition. The front of your hips, if I'm doing anything with the front of your hips, it is lengthening. It is stretching. It is opening up your hips. Because think back to that example that we did earlier. If I'm trying to tap behind me, if I'm trying to use my glute max, my tush, and what do I feel? If I feel like something's restricting me, I can't tap as far back behind. What's usually the culprit of that? The front of your hips, your hip flexors. Hip flexion, tightness of your hip flexors can limit you going in the opposite direction. Hip extension. Hopefully that was an aha moment. If anything, we want to lengthen your hip flexors. So that's my two cents. You can take it or leave it. Don't strengthen your hip flexors. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I wanted to make it interactive, give you an idea of what the muscles are, how to find them, how we use them. I think 
anybody could just say, do these exercises, but I want to tell you the why. I want to always give you the clinical reasoning and the reason why, so you can start to make some of your own decisions. And we'll, as always, we'll post some visuals. We'll have so much more in the next couple episodes when it comes to strength training. Don't worry, we will not forget about all of the other joints. I want to thank Omega Sports. They have been keeping the Carolinas moving forward for over 40 years. I highly recommend checking them out locally or online. Of note, the views and opinions of this show do not reflect those of Omega Sports. For better or for worse, they are my own. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I put a lot into this. I really want this to be something that every episode you take something valuable away from it. If we are so open and receptive to feedback, again, this is your show. If you want to feel like you are a part of this because this is your show, if you want to vote on the topics, you can follow me on my Instagram at learn.2, the number two, dot run, or you can email me at info at learntorun101.com. I never thought I'd be this person, but I'm being that person. I would so appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast. The only way that this can really grow is the more people that start to listen to it, we can start to share it. And I got into this just to help. And I want to help as many people as possible. Because you, if you're listening to this, how important movement is, movement is medicine. And there's so many people out there that are running or not running because they need this information. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the podcast. The Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast will soon be available on all major platforms. Until next time. Bye.